Now at ReachMD, we are all about informing physicians and medical professionals to help them become better at caring for patients. I asked our two guests to be with us today because I think that our listening audience would be really interested in learning more about the Obstetrical Emergency Department, or OBED, model, and how this model of care has and will continue to change and refine the way that emergent obstetrical services are delivered within the United States. You are listening to Reach MD, and welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen, Adjunct Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and Practicing OBGYN Hospitalist with MedMax National Medical Group. Our guests today are Dr. Brian Gilpin, National Clinical Director of Operations for the OB Hospitalist with MedMax National Medical Group, and our second guest is Dr. Christopher Swain, the Founder and Chief Medical Officer of OB Hospitalist Group, or OBHG. Drs. Gilpin and Dr. Swain, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. Dr. Gilpin and Dr. Swain, let me begin this podcast interview with asking you both to give our listening audience a brief overview of what your roles are within your respective companies. So, Dr. Swain, can you give an overview of your role? OB Hospitals Group has 97 OB Hospitals programs around the country. majority of these programs have obstetric emergency departments, and that's a big part of what I do is travel around the country working to uh, fine-tune a lot of these programs, but also help developing programs and speak with hospitals and uh, clinicians who are considering this type of a program or OB hospitalist program in general. So that's quite a bit of what occupies my time these days. Dr. Gilpin, could you give us a brief overview of your role? I practice as an OB hospitalist as well. I started with MedDax in 2007 as an OB hospitalist, and since then I've had the role of medical director of several of our practices, and I act as a regional director for many of our practices right now. And about a year ago, I took over as the national clinical director and working with both the business development department as well as our regions to try and help develop new programs and find new ways to do these programs in particular involving the OB emergency department. Dr. Swain, how does the OBED differ from an OB triage unit? Physically, it's very similar, but the primary difference is in the functionality. When a hospital has a surgical emergency department, they're making a commitment to see every patient. Right now what happens is there's a discrepancy in women's care in that in the first half of pregnancy, a woman who is pregnant and has a problem, she'll go to the ER and see a doctor. In the second half of pregnancy, she is considered too high risk to go to the ER, so instead they send her up to labor and delivery, and there's oftentimes no doctor there to see the patient. That was a huge discrepancy. So when you have an OBED, you're addressing that discrepancy. You're saying that everybody that comes into this hospital with a problem, with an unscheduled problem visit, is going to see a physician, is going to be evaluated fully, and have a documented visit. So that's where the differences come in primarily. It's in that commitment and the documentation Oftentimes, the wait times is a big factor to address when you have just a triage unit. It's more of a haphazard type of model of care, and the documentation is not there to show what's being done and and that there's a physician involved at every step of the way. There are some other things relative to the structure of the program as well. You know, there's laws in different states that regulate what you need to do to be in a obstetric emergency department. But for the most part, I'd say the biggest part of it is, is that commitment. Why should a hospital then consider an OBED as opposed to just a traditional OB triage unit? Well, the, the main thing is patient safety. As I mentioned earlier, you've got a subset of patients who really very high-risk patients. So you've got not just one patient, but two patients. You've got a mother and a baby 
who are coming to the hospital because they perceive that they're having an emergency or something that's concerning them regarding the, the health of their pregnancy. And they come to the hospital. And if these patients are not seeing a physician, are not having a documented visit, not having a very thorough, thorough evaluation, well, that's truly a safety issue. But also, it's a patient satisfaction issue. You know, if you, patients oftentimes feel like the hospital didn't take them seriously, that nobody, no doctor even saw me. I mean, I came in there because I was bleeding or having a problem, and, and nobody took my problem seriously. So there's that, there's the satisfaction piece of it, but it's the safety piece of it, but also, you know, there's a huge liability for a hospital. You know, when a when patient does come to the hospital and makes that decision, she drives here to the hospital, and, and no physician documents a visit on that patient. If there's a bad outcome, that's a huge liability for the hospital and for the doctor. So there's just many levels. All of us who practice as OB hospitalists, we truly believe that this is the safest way to practice medicine. It's just something that's been overlooked, and, and this is the way to fix it. Dr. Gilpin, do you have any thoughts on why a hospital should consider an OBED? As Dr. Swain was saying, the, what this does is it turns your unit that is doing things in more of a haphazard way and adding to that non-standardized because many different physicians are going to do many different things. What we're doing is we're turning it into an organized department that's going to see people in a standardized way using order sets, and protocols, time frames even, and reporting these in metrics um, as well to make sure that we're doing all these things the right way and looking at those metrics to make sure that we're doing it the right way. This hadn't been done before. We really couldn't spell out how a patient was getting treated for any particular thing because it was done so differently between individuals, between hospitals. And this way, we're doing it in a very organized fashion and really giving the patient quality care. And Dr. Swain's right, uh, patient satisfaction is tremendous to be able to see a practitioner at the time, putting their hands on their belly, looking at the baby, knowing that they're being taken care of is tremendous. Are there any specific quality issues and efficiencies that can be addressed operating a specialty ED, such as an OBED? Sure. Our concept of doing an OB emergency department in the first place really came out of quality of care issues. We realized, looking back, that we could do this a better way, that we could offer the patient better care during their time that they were being seen. And sometimes these were very critical times. We don't want to miss things. When you run a specialty ED, you now have that expert doing it. Many times, as Dr. Swain was saying before, patients will have been seen in the main ED. It isn't very efficient because they're not used to taking care of the mother and the baby or dealing with obstetric issues. Yet we are as obstetricians, and this is what we do every day. We're much more efficient in getting those people through the process in ordering the correct tests and not too many tests and finding the answer so that they can feel safe, we can feel safe with what's going on. There's a big backup in, in triage oftentimes, especially doing it in the old method because they oftentimes don't get responses as timely as they want to. It's very difficult to figure out what is going on with that patient when you aren't seeing them in person. But this is really a much faster way of getting patients seen in a timely manner and getting them taken care of, and then working on that flow-through of the OB triage unit so that it's not backed up for other things that may come in. Dr. Swain, the first question when you discussed how OBED differs from a traditional OB triage unit, you touched on that each state may have a little different criteria in order to qualify as an OBED, and there may be some structural issues involved. Can you expand on that just a little bit more to educate the listening audience? Yeah, you know, that was a challenge to us because we started this concept about 10 years ago. You know, it didn't exist, and at the time, you know, there was the ED downstairs in the main ED, and there was 
Uh, and then there was the labor and delivery triage unit. It makes more sense that patients be evaluated and just be evaluated in a serious manner. And the way to do that is through an obstetric emergency department. But how do you make that mesh with the ambiguities of the, of the laws? And that's the biggest challenge we have is that the laws in many states don't really envision this process clearly. And so we have to work around it to say, what do the statutes say relative to emergency department or a satellite emergency department within a hospital, and how do we meet these guidelines? There's some nationalized standards, such as EMTALA, which is the Emergency Medical and Labor Act, which is pretty standard, and hospitals get that, understand it, and that's easily transferable up to labor and delivery. But the actual having an obstetric emergency department, capturing charges for that, and the processes for it, there are some states that are a little bit more difficult, more of a challenge than others. But I can give you some examples. It's not really specified in every state, but some states do specify some of these nuances. For example, some states will say that the emergency, obstetric emergency department, you can't walk past an inpatient bed to get to the triage unit or an outpatient unit. Well, the challenge is you're not really supposed to do that for a triage unit anywhere, anyway. I mean, that's that's a uh, sort of a violation as well to to walk past an inpatient bed to get to an outpatient space, whether you're calling it an ED or triage. But if you're already in violation of that regulation, then you're still going to be in violation of it as you go forward to an OBED, and sometimes that's a challenge if you want to do it right. That's just one. There are many little things like that that we have to deal with in, in different states, but you have to do it very thoughtfully and seriously and, and get attorneys involved and, and just make sure that you, um, to the best of your abilities, are, are, are trying to stay within the, the guidelines that the state provides for you. Dr. Gilpin, do you have any thoughts to address that topic about the laws, the requirement for OBEDs, and even the structural requirements that may be necessary? It varies so much. There are federal regulations, which are pretty clear but pretty simple to follow for the most part, but the states don't have, as Dr. Swain said, specific things set up necessarily because it's too new. They haven't had to deal with this in the past. So what they're doing is they're relying on their local public health departments, in some cases, and sometimes not at all. What we do is we try to research it to figure out what the needs will be, but oftentimes the hospitals will need to go through with their own legal teams to try to be compliant with both the local, state, and federal laws in order to set it up. But we have found in some places that, yes, we need to have our units inspected, that they have to have certain qualifications like be a certain distance from the nursing station, have sinks in each room, so on and so forth, whereas other places don't seem to put those rules down in place and really is incumbent upon the hospital to research that very well when they're trying to think about the physical space that they're going to use to start a unit and how long that may take to do. Dr. Gilpin, I'm going to address this next question to you. Can you talk about the concept of, quote-unquote, two patients, the fetus and the mother, with respect to emergency department care? When we take care of our patients, it's just natural for us to think about both the baby and the mom. But with respect to illness that's going on with the mom, how that illness is affecting the baby, but also how the pregnancy and how the baby are affecting the illness. This is something that I've seen in the past where traditionally moms who were sick with something, upper respiratory tract infection, nausea and vomiting, things like that, would go to the traditional ER to be seen. And uh, oftentimes the ER doc was uncomfortable with it because they didn't necessarily put these two together. Certainly had times when We've seen patients to us where obviously had some sort of pregnancy process going on like preeclampsia 
where it wasn't obvious to everybody because these are the types of things that we see every day. Because the pregnancy affects these illnesses so much and because these illnesses can affect the baby, we have to think about those two patients at the same time when they're coming in, which is ideal for the obstetrician to do rather than the regular ED doc to do. And in fact, most regular emergency room physicians don't really want to handle this. They want us to take care of it, you know, as much as possible. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. And I'm your host, Dr. Renee Allen. And today, it's my pleasure to have Dr. Christopher Swain, founder and CMO of OBHG, and Dr. Brian Gilpin, the National Clinical Director of Operations for the OB Hospitalist with Mednax National Group. Today, these gentlemen are talking about the OBED model of care and the emerging role and importance within the United States. Dr. Swain, how do you think physicians feel about the OBED model of care? There's, there's a transitional process for physicians. Anytime you add anything new to their situation, it's initially perceived with fear and apprehension, and then when it's clearly explained, they love it and they embrace it fully. OBGYN is a tough lifestyle. I think uh, undeniably one of the toughest, if not the toughest, lifestyle in medicine. As providers of, of OB services, we're pulled in different directions. We've got our families, of course, but we've also got our office and we've got surgeries and we've got deliveries happening. And it's very chaotic at times. And uh, you feel like you're skiing too fast down a hill very often. It's just the way you, you live your life. So it, so now you've added another dynamic to this. You've got a patient who's coming in in the middle of the night or, or even in the daytime when you're in your office who has a problem and needs to be evaluated do you just leave everything? Do you drop everything in your office and have those patients wait longer and come over here? Or do you scrub out of your surgeries that you're doing to go and see this patient? So it's a gap in care, and it needs to be fixed. So, you know, initially doctors are, are a little apprehensive. you got somebody that's going to come fix this for us. Once they understand it, that this is a huge lifestyle enhancement, it adds time and productivity, fewer interruptions, and they can be satisfied that their patients are receiving better care. It's, it's something they hugely embrace. As a matter of fact, Hospitals that have an OBED, it's unusual to think of not, not doing it that way or doing it differently. Now, I think there's, there's one thing that we, we need to mention about this. That physicians feel this way about OBED that's staffed by hospitalists or laborers. That's critical. If you're adding another layer of work to a regular OBGYN physician, I think it's doomed from the start because we don't have time or energy to do anything else and anything else safely. But if you have a, a separate entity of, of, of neutral physicians, who are board-certified OBGYN providers who are there to provide that service, it's a home run. I mean, it, it really is the missing link for OBGYN physicians to be more productive, so they truly end up embracing this concept. Dr. Gilpin, do you have any thoughts about how you think physicians feel about an OBED? I do think that they're reluctant at first because they haven't seen it, they haven't heard of it, but honestly, after a long time of doing this, they come to rely on it. They come to rely on us. We are not only helping them when they're busy in surgery or busy with their patients in the office, but also in the middle of the night. Physicians now in OB are oftentimes taking call almost every night of their lives, and they really appreciate the fact that we're there seeing their patient. But I can tell you also that it's that second set of eyes looking at their patient, that there's somebody else that is objectively saying, you know, I saw them too, and this is what I think, and you're collaborating together to take care of this patient. We have become experts at doing this because you get good at what you do every single day. And when I see influenza several times a week or when I see gastroenteritis several times a week, 
it becomes something that I'm just really good at taking care of. Any of us are. So just as hospitalists do when we take care of emergencies, we do emergencies more than other people because that's what we do every day. So in this OB emergency department, we really do, and they appreciate it. And again, they just really rely on us to help get their patient through whatever event they're going through. Dr. Swain, let's swing the focus away from the physician and the hospitals and direct it now towards the patient. Can you answer the question of how you think patients like the OBED? Yeah, I, I certainly think that patients love an OBED. When a hospital has an obstetric emergency department, there's a message being delivered to patients that this is the place to come to be evaluated with pregnancy issues. We take it seriously. When you compare this to hospitals that don't have an obstetric emergency department, it's a striking difference. You oftentimes will have long waiting times. If you're a pregnant patient in previous scenarios, you, and you go to the hospital at 2 o'clock in the morning with an issue, and there's something that's borderline or questionable the nurse doesn't feel comfortable addressing. In the past, you oftentimes have to sit there all night long. You would either sit there in the waiting room or you'd sit there on, oftentimes on the monitor in the bed all night long until the doctor came in the morning, four, six, eight hours. And Patients didn't like that. It was frustrating. I guess the, the best way to, I think, to explain it is, is to give a scenario that's very common for us as OBGYNs, and that's when you have a patient who's having some, some spotting in, early, in the earlier mid-pregnancy. Very common. We see it all the time. A patient's having a little bit of bleeding when they wipe, and, 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 and it's their first pregnancy, and they're freaked out by it, and they're very, very concerned. They come to the hospital, and there's no doctor there to evaluate them, but the nurse sees them and sends them home. They are not very satisfied by that experience. But if you're in, when you have an OB hospice program, you have an obstetric emergency department, you've got somebody there who's going to evaluate that patient, who's going to sit her down, talk to her about it, document the visit fully, and just and truly comfort the patient. It makes all the difference in the world. We do surveys. Nowadays in medicine, their patients are surveyed and evaluated to see what their experience is. And consistently, an obstetric emergency department is something that, that is a high patient satisfaction. Dr. Gilpin, are there any limitations in your point of view to the OBED model of care? I don't think there's any limitations in the, in the concept of an OB emergency department. We do put rules into place about how we're going to see patients, how timely we're going to see patients, but also the types of patients that we're going to see. It would seem obvious, I suppose, that if somebody came in with a broken leg, then the main ED is going to evaluate them while we do some monitoring or something like that. But we do have to put these rules in place. So I guess those would be the only limitations on an OBED, these critical or life-threatening cardiac intubations, major traumas, things like that, that we would want still seen in the main emergency department with us facilitating that, those still staying involved. Dr. Swain, do you have anything to add with regards to any potential limitations to the OBED model? No, I strongly agree with Dr. Gilpin there. When it comes to an obstetric emergency department, primary focus is obstetric-related issue or, or thought to be an obstetric-related issue. We certainly don't want to get gunshot wounds and broken legs up there. So it's, it's just a process that you go through when you're, when you're setting up a program is just to make sure that, that there's you know, a clear understanding of, of what goes, of who goes where. Dr. Gilpin, can there be any benefit to resident education with an OBED in place? No, I think there can. It's interesting because we've actually had a couple of hospitals say to us when we talked about this, you know, we have residency patients now, but I got to tell you, it takes a really long time to get the patients through. And I wish there was somebody here who could help to supervise and to teach them and to keep the flow going in that respect. So yes, I do think that there's a role for resident education here. After all, these are all 
illnesses that are causing somebody some sort of acute problem that we're teaching the residents to see. I think that there would be some benefit as well for family practice residents that we're rotating through, but possibly even for emergency department residents coming through in terms of getting experience with OB patients as well. Dr. Swain, do you have any thoughts on the matter of whether or not OBED model of care can be a benefit to resident education? Oh, I know it is. OB Hospice Group has more than 30 programs of, um, where we're involved in residency education around the country. and. Yeah, it's a big part of it right now. Um, in a similar manner that where patients don't see a doctor, well, the residents don't have a doctor to see there to, to help them with their proctoring of their experience and of these patients who are coming in for evaluation often. So it's a great experience for, for residents. It, it helps to, uh, as the residents' hours become um, more structured as time goes on, it allows us to fill some gaps and, again, help with the proctoring of the residents and the off hours as well. Are there any misconceptions in the industry about the OBED model of care? I'll let Dr. Gilpin open it up. Misconceptions, I would think, would be that you shouldn't have one. I think that the concept or the structure of an OB emergency department really should be everywhere because the reason that we started this was all about quality issues, quality of care, patient satisfaction, decreased liability, physician satisfaction. And really, if we hang on those concepts, we should be creating that type of environment at every hospital. Dr. Swain, what are your thoughts if there are any misconceptions in the industry about the OBED model of care? Well, I echo uh, what Dr. Gilpin just said, but, but I also feel that some hospitals are apprehensive that the coding that we use is not applicable to them or, or somehow is the wrong process for us. I spent years evaluating this, and we've had on multiple levels of healthcare experts around the country, and there's no other way legitimately to do these visits. These are unscheduled problem visits who come to the hospital. They're not scheduled visits. They're not outpatient visits. They're not observation visits. There's no other subset of visit other than emergency visit that really meets these patients' needs. So it's not only is it an appropriate thing, it's really the only appropriate thing in my opinion. In these final few seconds of the interview, gentlemen, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to relay to our ReachMD listeners? I'll open up for Dr. Swain. Do you have any final thoughts? Well, I hope we've made it clear this is not just a wish list or something. This is a great process. Again, patients love it. Doctors love it. Doctors need it. It's a liability reducer. It's something that really helps hospitals as well and is taking off quite rapidly around the country. And I think if done properly, it's been shown over and over again to be a huge satisfier to patients, physicians, and hospitals. Dr. Gilpin, do you have any final thoughts that you would like the ReachMD listeners to know about the OBED model of care? Yeah, since this is a relatively new process, people are still learning about the concept, but it really has been around for a while now. And we really have proven this out to be the best way to give care to our outpatient OB patients. They have many models to follow and really showing the quality metrics that we've used over the last several years, I think we've shown that the quality of care is there. So I think it's something that everybody should consider. It's, it's been very well thought out and been very well organized. And so this isn't something about uh, trying to invent something new, but it's something that uh, has been studied very well. And I think that we've all done a good job with it. And I really do think that patients and hospitals as well as physicians have been 
extremely satisfied with the results. Many thanks to both Dr. Christopher Swain and Dr. Brian Gilpin for providing our ReachMD listeners on an education on the emergent role and importance of the OBED model of care. Thank you, Dr. Swain and Dr. Gilpin. Sure, thank you. Thank you. I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen. To download this podcast and others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com. We encourage you to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you for listening to ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.